Moto One Podcast Network. Hi, this is Ja Rule, and I love creative writing, baby. Can we just go like straight to pants shitting? I don't care if you're one percenter or ninety-nine percenter. Y'all can kiss a hundred percent of my ass. Two strokes are for white fucking trash. Jumpy, you're awful. Human son. Let's go! You're listening to a show hosted by an idiot and a sarcastic robot. That's me. It features the opinions of that idiot and the opinions of guest motorcyclists from a large demographic with a varying array of skills, talent, and knowledge. Any of the words that you hear on this podcast may therefore be very idiotic, unlawful, and incorrect, or perhaps genius and insightful. Either way, they do not reflect the opinions or well-thought-out and completely fair policies of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast or any of the podcasts under the Moto One Podcast Network umbrella. Enjoy the show, Fart Tooth. Hey, Fart Tooths. Welcome to another episode of your least favorite podcast. My father ran off with the dinosaur. We are here. <laughs> hey, Tobor. Uh, this show, uh, we're going to have some awesome inch review. We're going to be talking in cubic inches, bro. The only thing I want to measure in inches is my swing arm. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, how... how long is your swing arm, by the way? Would you say roughly? I was trying to make polite banter. Oh. I don't have a swing arm or any arm that swings. Oh. I do have these arms that you made me, which look more like pneumatic mayonnaise churners. You su- Those arms took me forever to make, by the way. I don't know if you, uh, if you're aware of that fact as you cut me down. I also don't know why you're screaming. I'm going to turn you down a little bit. Turn me. Oh, look at this. I can adjust the volume up. Well, now, now I sound just about on par with you. With your limited amount of intellect only being outdone by your limited amount of biomolecular density, there's no way that you could ever be my equal. Okay, Tobor. You don't have to rub it in. You don't have to be so rude. I'm going to turn you down a little bit. You're still screaming. At least in my ears, you are. Hey, Bluey. How about here, Burberry? This is creative writing, if you didn't know. And uh, yeah, by the way, welcome to another, would you say fabulous show? I probably wouldn't. This is uh, episode 289. We are quickly approaching the 300th. Uh, if you want to know what we're going to be doing for episode 300, we got this great thing planned up in Santa Cruz. They're going to be renting out the, wait, what? Tobor's shaking his head. No, somebody already did this, Tobor. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, for episode 300, I don't know when it's going to happen, but, and, and I also don't know what we're going to do, but let's do something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and let me, uh, shake this cord around. Tobor, we really, I really think that you should order it's literally this one like half inch of cord here that I can't ever hear myself in stereo. And it's annoying to hear myself. <clears throat> it's annoying to hear myself in one ear. Imagine you are someone who loves to hear themselves talk in stereo <laughs> in stereo, and you're only hearing themselves in one ear. Let me pop that open. That is a uh, a dogfish head. What the hell is this? Hazy O? Yeah, this is a Hazy O, Hazy IPA. Uh very, very hazy and very IPA. Um, listen, 
you know that you're you're listening to a, a new show. This is the second show of 2023, so bear with us as we get our bearings here. Uh, I've got a few things that I want to talk about on this week's show. First one is upcoming events. To see the upcoming events, I'm going to head over to creative-writing.com and look at our front page. Let's see, January 29th. Hey, by the way, this uh, that's, that was today. Oh, no. <laughs> the SoCal Cycle Swap Meet happened today. Also, yesterday was the Moon Eye Show, second annual Moon Eye Show at the Irwindale Event Center. You can hear drag racing going on uh, all day long. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool seeing all the cars headed down there. I didn't personally go down there, uh, because no one in my family likes cars. What do you know? Hmm. And I am sick of going to stuff by myself without my family, just trying to drag them along. So what do they like? Turns out they like soaps, candles, um, and other things that you can buy at bed, bath, and and body works. Uh, February 5th. There is going to be a classic track day happening at the Streets of Willow, which is out at Willow Springs International Raceway. Drive through the entrance and up past, uh, keep going, keep going past the big track up to the streets. And that is in Rosamond, California. California, uh, California, February 15th through the 17th, AIM Expo is happening in Las Vegas. And I uh, don't know why. I do have a um, a Bothan spy headed up that way, and uh, they're going to check out some of the some of the stuff. I said, please look at this and look at this. If I can't make it, I'm going to try and make it up there. But if I can't make it, please check out this and this and, and listen to this keynote speaker and look at that keynote speaker. Pretend you're interested in this keynote speaker or this product, blah, 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 blah. I told them what to do. So hopefully they act just like me, only look different. Uh, February 15th through 17th, uh, is AIM Expo in Las Vegas. If you haven't heard about this yet, <laughs> I may have just said it. Uh, and I think that's Wednesday through Friday is when that's happening. So it's kind of a weird, weird timing for anybody that actually works. It's, it's not open to the public anyway, but you know, whatever. There's still some good stuff that happens there and it'd be kind of cool to hear some of the keynote speakers. February 17th, Flat Out Friday is happening at Fiserv Forum. In Milwaukee, that means the good land, according to Alice Cooper in uh, Dumb and Dumber. No, Wayne's World 9, Wayne's World 2. That's uh, that's happening on Friday, February 17th. Uh, get your tickets now. Go to flatoutfriday.tv, I think, if you want to check it out and want to find out how to get tickets and find out how to watch it. Uh, and go to flatoutfriday.bingbong.wangwang if you want to find out nothing, because I don't think that's an actual website. Uh, if you check out February 18th through 19th, which is the Saturday and Sunday, uh, head down to the Eagle Ballroom, which is in also, uh, it, which is in also. That makes a lot of good sense. It's also in Milwaukee. It's uh, the Mama Tried Motorcycle Show, which uh, corresponds with Flat Out Friday. Now, Flat Out Friday, could that happen on any Friday? Should we make a movie called On Any Friday? Tobar, give me some new headphone stat. I can't take this anymore. Uh, anyway, uh, February 26th is going to be the second SoCal Cycle Swap Meet of the year, Long Beach Veteran Stadium down in Long Beach, California. March 3rd through 16th. 
Uh, Daytona Bike Week is happening in Daytona, Florida, not Daytona, Alabama, but they are very close. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff happening there. Uh, March 9th through 11th, we're going to have the AFT sh- Short Tracks uh, 1 and 2, the Daytona 200, and the King of the Baggers all happening down there in uh, Daytona Beach during Daytona Bike Week, so that's pretty cool. And uh, I think they do also have motocross going on down there. There's got to be. There's always like a Ricky Carmichael showdown or something like that. Maybe it's the uh, WWE beatdown. I have no idea. But there's always usually some sort of motocross happening down in uh, uh, Bike Week. And maybe some of the King of the Baggers will actually take their uh, baggers out on the uh, dirt track down there. I'm about to die. I need to slip, take a sip of this beer. Let me pause the recording. I don't want you to have to hear, hear me gurgle it down my gullet. But I am going to take a sip of this hazy IPA and wet my whistle. I've been breathing in dirt all day. Is that part of your new terravascular system? <laughs> terravascular? No, I don't have a terravascular system, put toe board. I don't know what robots, how robots breathe, but I do not breathe the dirt. I just been breathing in dirt. And I'll talk about that in a minute. It's not really dirt. Uh, but yeah, that beer did the trick. I am ready to speak now. Uh, March 26th, SoCal Cycle Swap Meet, Long Beach Veteran Stadium. You may be hearing me say this a lot. January 29th, February 26th, March 26th. This is because they're about they're about uh, a month apart and they happen at the last weekend of every month. So come check it out. SoCal Swikel Swap Meet, Shane, at the Long Beach Veteran Stadium down Long Beach, California, April 1st. And this is no fooling around, folks. April 1st, the Biltwell 100 coming to a desert near you. Well, it's a desert near Ridgecrest, which is kind of near me. Uh, Biltwell 100, I'm not 100% sure if the, hey, Biltwell 100, I'm not 100. If all of the spots have filled up, but I I know they were expecting like a full field this year. Uh, If you want to spectate, I think they got all the deets on all that. Um, and that should be really good. I may, I may go spectate April 1st, huh? Yeah. If that's a weekend, I might go check it out. Uh, April 15th, classic track day at Big Willow, Willow Springs Raceway, uh, Willow Springs International Raceway at Rosemont, California. It is going to be the precursor to the Willow Springs Grand Prix Classic Motorcycle Festival. What's a motorcycle festival? It's sort of like a motorcycle festival, but some idiot says it wrong and makes it sound like it's some otherworldly experience. Might it be another world? experience go check it out maybe you'll find out uh sweet talker brady walker is putting that on head down there to the classic track day on the 15th i think it's also uh a race school and if it's not uh it's at least some practice and i think that they might have a um they might do the taste of the track at lunch where you are able to ride your street bike around at a limited pace, followed by a uh, classic track day trainer. Uh, and that is still a lot of fun to do. I took Spamla on that. It was my own race. I knew it was the only, quote, race that I could win on Spamla. And I took her around and almost beat the guy in last place who was on a clapped out uh, 1932 Vuxton Uh Was not unable to beat him, but it was still a fun event. And... Those track days, if you're going to do a a track day, classic track day is open to new riders. It doesn't always have to be uh, a vintage or classic bike. And hey, now classic bikes are like 90s sport bikes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Anything over 25 years old. So uh, hell, late 90s uh, and early 2000s are going to be classic here pretty soon. So you might have, you know, 
a, a 2000 uh, Buell or like a uh, something, something R1 that you want to bring, just call, talk to Brady, uh, talk to any of the organizers, see uh, if they'll let you come in. And if it's old enough, it's not necessarily that they don't want new bikes. They just don't want guys that are trying to go around winning, uh, you know, a track day. You're there to practice and kind of learn the limits of your bike. You're not there to try and pass everybody and be a jerkwad. So stick around for that. Uh, like I said, April 15th, uh, of course the next day is going to be the Grand Prix, which is always, it's so awesome to see what type of bikes turn up there. And, um, I think you can guess where that's going to be. It's also going to be out at Willow Springs International Raceway, April 23rd, SoCal Cycle Swap Meet. Does that sound like it's about a month after March 24th? Yeah, you're right. And it's March 26th. You idiot. You weren't paying attention. Um, SoCal Cycle Swap Meet happening at Long Beach Veterans Stadium in Long Beach, California. May 6th, the Californian put on by our friend Sweet Talker Brady Walker. This guy is busy, folks. He puts on a few events a year. And it's hard for me to put on a few pairs of pants a year. So I don't know how he does it. But the Californian is going to be returning to Santa Anita Park in Arcadia. That's very close to me. That is a celebration of motorcycles, Iron Horses, right alongside Meat Horses, because it's actually on the infield of the famous, world-famous Santa Anita racetrack, and they're going to be racing. I don't think that's Kentucky, excuse me, I don't think that's Kentucky Derby Day, but uh, it is always fun uh, to see horse racing all day. You get there early, um, and you get to see the horses practicing before the races. It's pretty awesome. So May 6th. Uh, mark your calendars. Come check it out. Junkie Turdman's going to try and bring Spamela down there and uh, have her displayed for all to see. May 19th through 20th, the Hanford Cycle Show and Swap happening in Kings County Fairgrounds in Central California. The only reason I know about this, also Sweet Talker Brady Walker is uh, helping uh, organize some things for this uh, show. And this is one of the great ones if you've never been up to it before. Kings County and Central Cal Coast is a beautiful beautiful place to uh to be in and actually that made me think of something uh the noka boys made me think of when we recorded last time uh great area and, I, and i'll do a uh, do a show on it but other than that that is our events uh as always i do want to say if you have an event and you would like people to know about it and i haven't mentioned it hey maybe mention it. i'm reading this off of our off of our blog creative-writing.com but uh, I do have a list of other stuff, and I normally read it. Cyclefish is a great place to look for uh, events coming up. And uh, they have a very, very wide regional. I mean, it'd take me it'd take me the whole hour to read all the events if you go to there. So despite the fact that it's still the, you know, January and it's probably the middle of winter uh, here in the States, there is a lot of stuff going on, as you heard on the last show, uh, still cooking in these uh, parts of the world. Uh, where it's snowy. They're just doing cycle swap meets and, and indoor shows right now. And uh, come springtime, whenever that happens, uh, they'll be out riding for sure. So check it out. Send us events if you have some. And uh, let us know of anything happening in your part of the world that you think people should check out. Um, let's get into uh, one more quick announcement, which is this, I think it might have already happened, Moto, uh, Mimi and Moto. They had some really cool events. As you might remember, last year we were really pumping Mimi and Moto, the Motorcycle Monkeys, and we were really excited for their uh, book to be coming out. And they said, listen, we've got, you know, big news is going to be hitting hitting the stores hopefully uh, soon. 
you know, hopefully in January we get enough people um, buying our Mimi and Moto stuff. We can get this thing out early. Well, I'm on MimiMoto.com right now, and it says 59 days, 21 hours, 19 minutes, and 27 uh, six, five, four, three. I can't count these seconds or I'll just never stop. But I'm going to tell you, in about 60 days, their book is going to be hitting the bookshelves. Mimi and Moto's Magical Meteors First Gear. And it's going to be more of a chapter book. The other ones were like the alphabet and, you know, Mimi and Moto, the motorcycle monkeys, you just get to learn, learn the monkeys. They're stepping up the game, uh, growing with the kids um, as you know, as their kids grow, they are growing their material. So this book is going to be an actual chapter book, first gear. Hopefully they make it to set. Uh, hopefully they make it to sixth gear, and hopefully they're not riding a riding a motorcycle that only has a four speed. But regardless, I'm very very excited for them. And uh, yeah, it's great news that they have um, their their third book coming out uh, in 60 days. I am so excited uh, for that to come out. And also one last thing, I would be remiss to uh, speak about, which is I mentioned a lot of the times the SoCal Cycle Swap Meet. I should also put in there the monthly meetup. Uh, there's a few monthly meetups that happen here in LA. One of them is the Venice Vintage Ride, which is a third Sunday of every month ride, which is great because then the Swap Meet is the uh, the fourth Sunday or, or, or the last Sunday of every month, and it usually doesn't end up that the last Sunday is also a uh, a third Sunday, um, but also OC Vintage Bike. They have meetups every month down at Castaneda's uh, Mexican Food. If you go to vintageocbike.com, you'll see the dates there. We'll talk about them on our next show. And Joe and the group put on a great show, and it's very small and intimate. And the best part of it is that you're not showing up to a small bike show with like 12 CB750s and then one cool bike. You're showing up to a small, intimate bike show where there's a, so many different varied types of bikes. It's pretty incredible. So check it out, OC Vintage Bike down in, uh, I think that's in Huntington Beach. And um, yeah, with that, let's get into this week's show. Tobor, you got anything exciting to say? Yes, I just learned how to clone malware and inject it into <laughs> your physician's health network. Nice. Good job, Tobor. We'll be right back. That's a great ready. Mm, what's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies available only at Hetty's on 4th Street. For over 131 years and several months, Clobmans has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, 
Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Clopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Clopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clopman's, not for dreamers, for doers. Clopman's, the only pickle for motorcyclists. posting a story just changing the song i'm just no when it comes to distracted driving just don't sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds but in that time your car can travel the length of an entire football field any distracted driving just isn't worth it visit stoptextsstoprex.org a message brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration project yellow light and the ad council Hey, welcome back to Creative Writing. This is Junk Florence Tobermeister, uh, a.k.a. the guy who, who's talking right now. Listen, uh, there's something that we didn't address on the first show of 2023, and it's because I didn't want to bum everybody out completely and make everyone want to jump off a fucking cliff. However, uh, the snow, we've had an abundance of snow here in SoCal uh, this week. This week has been pretty warm all week, and it actually got up into, I think, like the, the 80s at some point. At least it felt like it. it was really, really warm and sunny. Most of the snow is going off the mountains. However, you know, the first, the last part of, uh, you know, last three weeks or whatever, it has just been snowing in especially the northern part of the uh, U.S., which I'm guessing above that in Canada has just been even is Canada above or below? I forget if Canada is below us or above us. Maybe it's Mexico getting all the snow. If I remember my maps correctly, Canada is above us, but it might be Mexico. So I'm just going to say maybe Mexico is covered in snow. Canada's getting all the tropical air right now, aren't they? Anyways, uh, the snow has just been pretty robust this year. And as we know, uh, I don't think I mentioned this at all, but uh, we lost Ken Block, who was a. I, I posted on an Instagram. I know that, but I was I was also uh, not in state. I was in another state, millions of miles away, and uh, kind of didn't think about it when I got home. But snow can be dangerous, man. And uh, you know we've had a massive amounts of flooding here uh, in Northern California. Nothing by me. So all my family has been. Hey, are you? Oh my God, are you okay? All that flooding. No, we're cool here. Uh, although we do live at the base of a mountain, luckily the, the we have basically like water uh, canals all around us that kind of get catch that stuff. But I have to say the riverbed has just been absolutely chock full of water the last few uh, few weeks. So it's pretty incredible to see. It's beautiful. It's very very beautiful around here right now. Um, and snow. The recently Ken Block passed away. Uh, like I said, I just started a tangent away from that, but yeah, the, the main point I'm making that is that the, there's been a lot of weather and somehow Ken Block was, uh, you know, wrestling with a snowmobile or something. I, I don't know if he got tossed from it, trying to do a trick or just fell off it or, or what, but, uh, I've fallen in snow snowboarding before, not deep, like three feet of snow. And when you, I went in with my mouth open because I think I was screaming when I hit hit the uh, hit it, and it was so soft and fluffy that it just filled every hole. So it filled my eye sockets since my eyes had uh, long fell out way up the slopes, filled my nostrils and my mouth, 
And it's the only time that I legit have panicked, even underwater swimming. I've never felt like I was going to suffocate because the snow, I just jammed my fingers into my mouth trying to dig the snow out and it was compacting it and making it tighter. It was the weird, it's like why you should never stick your fingers down a choking person's uh, throat because you could jam the food in further. So I, I can kind of uh, imagine what it's like to get knocked out or whatever happened. I'm not even 100% sure what happened to him. But even just get in an accident and fall into the snow and either suffocate or die from hypothermia, something like that. I, I imagine that it was probably pretty terrible. And, um, the loss was totally unexpected when somebody's drifting cars, like, you know, and, and, and if you saw his, I, I recently actually, this is crazy because it's very timely. I've have just been recently over the last, uh, I think in December last month started watching pretty seriously the Jim files, like every couple night, every other night, uh, before I would go to bed, I would, I would click on the Jim files and, I'm always talking about, you know, if you go to the creative writing um, uh, blog, I think there's an about page on there. And the whole thing is like, hey, we, you know, Robbie Madison's famous, but all the people behind it. So I was really uh, that make it happen, you know, is, is the whole reason I became enamored with it because he talks about that. And he talks about the people that helps put on all these stunts. Uh, and you get to see a great behind the scenes. It's a great series. And now uh, with his passing, it might be the only way for you to, pay your respects dofully is to go check out the Gymkhana files and see um, all the magic uh, behind the personality that he was, the racer that he was. He was also, I mean, he co-founded DC. He wasn't just a, he wasn't just a car nut. That came much later in life. He was a marketer and a designer and stuff first. So just the, the, the nice, the funny guy that he was, I guess, and the, and the good motorsports, uh, ambassador that he was um and and even hoonigan i see it all over here in la and they even have like a hoonigan burnout box right down the street at irwindale speedway uh you know they had like a whole bunch of crazy stuff that they'd go film down there so it's a big part of of la motor uh culture but also you know world rally uh rally cross nitro rally cross all that fun stuff like it was he was a big part of that and he will be missed for sure even though he wasn't a two-wheel guy still a pretty big name in motorsports and um you can't drive around la and not see some place that he hasn't drifted or, or done some pretty cool stuff so that also jeremy renner is proving to uh, you know just back up the uh, notion that snow is probably the most dangerous element um, and then on top of that, Julian Sands went missing. Uh, I also put that on our Instagram a couple weeks ago now. I think he went disappeared on the 13th and it's almost the end of the month now. So he's, he's been two weeks missing at least, uh, depending on how many weeks are in January. Um, he's been at least half the month missing up in Baldy Bowl, which Mount Baldy, a lot of, a lot of people have events up there. I think, I think Biltwell has had, uh, like, Mom, uh, not Mama tried, but uh, uh, People's Champ uh, pre parties up there, or uh, what's it called? A stupid one, the Born Free. I know the Born Free people. That's probably who I'm thinking of. Born Free has had Born Free parties up there. It's a beautiful area. It's fun to ride. It's a cool road. Well, it's not that great of a road, but it's an okay road to ride in the uh, when it's warm out. But man, to go up there and go hiking when we've had this much snow and so they get like the most snow I've seen on these mountains in like at least 10 years to go up there and go hiking up there at, in uh, at Baldy is just nuts. And so, um, yeah, snow, man, 
if you're going to be out in it, be careful. Come back to us and uh, please keep on riding. You know, keep on. Uh, yeah, it's fun to enjoy snow, but but uh, make sure you come back to enjoy it on two wheels when it's all melted and gone away. Actually, we may go up to Baldy. Uh, we Wiggins and Siddons and I have gone up there a couple times. We might go up there. Uh, you know, within the next couple months and uh, check it out, see how it is up there. <laughs> Excuse me, that was a beer burp. I want to drink some oil and blood. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that, Tobort. It seems like you have so much fun drinking and then belching and then these <laughs> bouts of awkward silence. It what? appears to makes it fun for everyone. <laughs> it does makes it makes it fun for everyone, or whatever you just said. No, I'm sorry. I just you know once in a while when I do have an awkward silence, I'm looking away. I don't have a, a cough button or a co-host here to take up the the airtime when I'm about to sneeze or I'm choking on something. You could help. You could come over here. You could learn the Heimlich. I mean, I I I don't want you to. I remember what happened last time we tried it. My ribs were almost crushed. Let's get this party started. I'm already at the sausage party. <laughs> you remember? Yeah, that's what I said right before I started choking. And then you came over and you almost literally smashed my spleen out of my freaking belly button. It was awesome. Uh, I felt like a butter churner. Um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, I don't even know what we're talking about. Let's get on to uh, speaking of Born Free. Speaking of Born Free, let's talk about the Bill Wells show. I, that's something I didn't want to talk about. And Tobor, I'm sorry for the awkward silences, and I will take another drink right here. We can you can you fill in some talking, like while I take this gulp. He is drinking. It looks so disgusting to me how the human tongue moves up and down inside the esophagus as humans swallow. I wish I were dead. <laughs> you almost made me choke. What, Tobor? I apologize for looking disgusting. All right. I mean, there's nothing I can do to help it. When you drink. I'm sorry, buddy. I think you're cutting out. I think I messed with your volume. What'd you say? Yes, you look pretty disgusting as it is, but especially <laughs> when you drink. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Tobor. Well, you go drink your oil and blood. I'll sit here and talk, talk about... Talk about what, Junkie? What are you going to talk about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what I'm going to talk about. It's probably what you asked. And I, I, I typed these notes two or three days apart, so this is funny looking back at them. Segment number two, not worth the news. Here's, here is uh, 10. I have five unnewsworthy headlines. Why did I write 10 down? Boy, I really went oh, above and beyond for you guys. You better give me a rating on whatever, wherever you're hearing this at. So uh, actually, this is number five. I guess I, I am only giving you five. It felt like 25. Here we go. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe this is the audio that you're getting right now. I fully apologize. And the people at Moto One Podcast Network apologize for it too. So here we go. Five unnew the birds. Five headlines. God damn it. So listen, number five. I'm recording this out of order. So I've already had a few beers compared to when you hear me here in the future. So uh, future me is going to be a lot more coherent than this me. But at one point in my life, I was a functioning alcoholic, so I'm sure I'll do fine. As I uh, just took a sip of beer and you didn't even hear. Uh, number five, Honda making is to make organizational changes and accelerate electrification. Is that the actual headline? Uh, yeah. So Honda, 
Honda's making organizational and operational changes starting April 1st that will position them as a company, as a, as a quote, a company that society wants to exist, end quote, in the future. Honda is not known for his April Fool's jokes, so I'm pretty sure this one's legit, this headline. But the article starts off with the corporate lingo of leverage this and create new value that, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It ultimately resolves with Honda creating an electric business development operations wing. And if that's easy for you to say now, try being me who's eight beers in <laughs> right now. Uh, they're combining their current six functional regions around the globe into three major regions. So, wow, that's mind-blowing. Combining six into three, uh, six functional into three major. I don't know how that works, but whatever. So, listen, uh, they got North America, China, and other. <laughs> that's their three regions. And I guess uh, that's pretty big. Uh, uh, basically, the rest of the world is the other. Anything from the UK down to other, other Asian uh, markets that don't include China, but that include Japan. It's really weird. They're even taking this shit to the top with the reorganization at the corporate level. So if you think it's great that Honda is making changes, here, here's the whole thing. I didn't write half of this down. I thought I'd type way more than this. Are these the notes? Yeah, I, I just redid these notes. So anyways, after reading this article, it's apparent to me that Honda uh, wanted to be, quote, the company that people want to see in the future, right? So they're they're changing right now. They're doing it. It's hard for corporations, especially ones as big as Honda, to do this. But they're doing a quick, not an about face, but, man, they are shooting off and saying, listen, this is where we want to be by like 20, I think 50 or 20. 35, which seems ages away, but I mean, come on, it's like a decade, right? Before you know it, your kids are going to be grown up. You're going to have kids if you don't now, and you're going to be an old person rotting because you ride a motorcycle. That's what old people do. Uh, and the next thing you know, Honda's going to be making your pacemaker and ventilator. <laughs> so, Yahoo, Honda. Uh, headline number four. Uh, not newsworthy, so don't tell anybody about this at the local Golden Corral when you're stuffing your face full of whatever they sell at Golden Corral. Jay Leno breaks bones in second accident after announcing Vegas return. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is good. No sooner had the B. Eldon comedian recovered from second degree burns to his massive chin, which occurred last November. And I don't think I talked about it because uh, I, th- I th- figured everybody knew about it. He gets in another accident. Uh, the burns, let's talk about the burns. I didn't talk about it the first time. I took a couple notes. The burns were caused by fuel, which I knew. They occurred, um, ironically enough, when he was working on a, a 1907 white steam car. And it wasn't a white-colored steam car, you fucktards. It was the brand white. And it was a steam car. And apparently you have fuel. You still needed gasoline to heat up the... Uh, burner which converted water to steam so isn't that funny like even back in the steam power days they needed they had gas or kerosene or some shit uh you didn't just throw a log on that old fire but anyway he's underneath the car the and uh the you can read all about it at like las vegas journal review or something like that they have it all there Actually, I forget where I actually got the details of it, but it looked pretty gruesome. Uh, I didn't realize how bad he got burnt, actually, until I was looking at some pictures yesterday. He got burnt pretty bad uh, and pretty deeply. Uh, but who who knew you could work on a steam car and get burnt by gas? He was in the hospital. He got skin grafts from a dead human and pig, um, and now he's up to his hijinks again. This past week, 
at least when I wrote these notes a few days ago, it was within a week, uh, he got clotheslined off a 1940 Indian. And according to the Las Vegas Review Journal, this is where I got this news, uh, he was uh, going on a uh, going on a test ride from his garage at Burbank next uh, used to be adjacent to our old studios. I'll tell you more about that later. We got kicked out. Uh, so he smelled some gas. He went to turn around, and I guess there was an empty parking lot that he went to turn around in, and he immediately got clotheslined like, I don't know, an invisible Chris Jericho was in there waiting for him to steal his lunch money. He broke his freaking this – is, this is hardcore – because he always wears a helmet. He's a, he's at Gat, and he always has a showy on. He always talks about it in his videos. He doesn't just run down the street with not a helmet. Same thing as I do, Jay. I always wear a helmet because you never know. So anyways, despite wearing a helmet, he broke his collarbone, a couple ribs, and both fucking kneecaps. And I think he injured his arm for this round of Final Destination Burbank Edition. <laughs> he's recovering, and he still plans on returning to the stage for his show in Vegas. I have no idea if he's doing a residency uh, or if he just drives over there every Saturday night because it's only four hours from L.A. He probably does not drive. He probably takes his fucking steam-powered helicopter over there. But anyways... Uh, wishing you a quick, speedy recovery, Jay. Don't go to the snow or you're dead for sure, as uh, 2020 has, uh, 2023 has proved. Um, <laughs> headline number three. This is not newsworthy at all. And like I said, I wrote these a few days apart, so I didn't realize I had already written one about Honda. Honda heads for the moon, baby. Honda is developing a circulative renewable energy system that will hopefully help humans eventually inhabit the moon. Why would you want to fucking inhabit the moon? I, I want to live on gray dust planet with no fucking gravity so my bones get all brittle. Anyways, according to the article on Visor Down, the Ultimate Motorcycle uh, Magazine, uh, digital. The system would use electrolysis and solar energy to create oxygen, hydrogen, and electricity. You know, electrolysis and solar energy is how they keep me alive after 126 years. So I know it works. And I think I'm actually 136 years old this year. Uh, if it doesn't, listen, it makes hydrogen, oxygen, and electricity great through electrolysis and solar energy, Yahoo. If it doesn't make chocolate, I'm fucking out. I am out. Additionally, you might want to get your two-wheeled Honda now because with automobiles, generators, robots, robotics, and AI, separate there from robots, electric vehicles, marine and personal watercrafts, which I don't know if they still make. They don't make them here in the States, but maybe they make them somewhere else. Side-by-sides, quads, various farm equipment, you know, of the sort, golf, golf uh, course Side-by-sides, whatever the fuck, you know, whatever you use a side-by-side for. Uh, and finally, aerospace. They just got into aerospace and aircraft manufacturing, mainly the Honda Jet built here in the good old U.S. of A., I think in Carolina somewhere. Uh, Honda is now venturing into R&D for space exploration. So a little thing called motorcycles that are going to go the way of the Dodo or the horse, which they replaced, by the way, uh, motorcycles replaced horses, not dodos. Um, anyways, Honda is a little bit busy to worry about the next Moto Compo reboot or the Trans Alp that Moto Marini already punched them in the face with when they brought them to the, to space. They work it on the moon. They got the moon, motherfucker. They got the moon. They they don't care about your motorcycle. They, your next track day, please, unless it's on lunar uh, lunar 
Lunar Seika. <laughs> oh, oh, dad jokes. Get the fuck out. Uh, headline number two. This one you may not want to tell to anybody. BSA Gold Star versus Royal Enfield Interceptor 650. For this headline from MCN, I couldn't care less. Actually, I could. I could care less about the quantitative amount of sweat that drips from a superstar's pianist butt crack and soaks into the bench material via capillary action. And when I say that, you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm talking like Tori Amos, Elton John, Billy Joel, the likes of those guys. I could really care less about how much of their butt sweat drips. But now that I think about it, that's actually kind of like I'm more curious about that than I am about BSA or Royal Enfield's retro models. Or should I say modern models, huh? Uh, reading this headline, I almost barfed partially because my old friend had a BSA gold star from the sixties or late sixties, whenever he, whenever his is from, I think it's from like the mid or late sixties. It's awesome. It looks awesome. Probably doesn't run awesome because it's from the fucking late sixties, I believe, but it's awesome and it looks awesome. Uh, it is still a cool piece of history, right? And another one of my friends had a late nineties Royal Enfield, actually the first, uh, bike I crashed on the street. Um, it was also pretty rad because even though it was built in like the nineties, I think it was a late nineties model. It was built using Royal Enfield's original tooling, which means it was really could have been from anywhere from 1958 to 1998. And you wouldn't have been able to tell because the bikes were all the same. He couldn't even get it into California, uh, until like legally, I think until 2004 because, it has to run. It has to run so many thousands of miles. Like I think I think it has to have seven thousand miles on it and be like a certain year old to bring it in to California. If it wasn't certified with California, and I could tell you, Royal Enfield wasn't California certified until like twenty fourteen when they went fuel injected or twenty twelve, whenever the fuck that happened. So, long story short, making this long story longer, actually, the uh, I am the, the, the his bike was horribly cast. The shifter was on the wrong side, and they had to, had to have some crazy linkage to go underneath to swap the brake and the shifting functions to make it even comply with today's laws. And it also ran about as smooth as a Pekingese shitting out a peach pit. But both bikes, one of my friends, BSA, and the other guy's Royal Enfield, were the real deal from the real company. And I'm about sick of people resurrecting brand names. Uh, and and I don't buy into the whole legacy fraud thing that the guys from Nokomoto have, but I do a little bit. When I think of Royal en- Royal Enfield to me is okay because they never quit making bikes. It's just sad that the bike that they're now comparing to the BSA is basically a triumph. That new Interceptor 650 parallel twin is so much a triumph uh, compared to an actual Royal Enfield uh, big ass 650. I think they made a 650 Fury for flat tracking, and I think they had a 650 Interceptor, but it was a huge single. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they ever had a parallel twin. But uh, it's funny that these new new bikes is basically a triumph, and the new BSA. Who fuck knows what? I think QJ owns uh, owns them and Jawa and everybody else, right? So this BSA really isn't a BSA at all. Even if even if they brought BSA tooling back, uh, it would have been cooler. But so I could give two shits, and I guess I do care a little bit about the amount of butt sweat crack that comes out of a concert pianist, and I don't mean concert, I mean like a, you know, you know what type of concert I mean. I do give a little bit less of a shit about that than I do because these new bikes, because they do kind of look cool. However, come on guys, I'm over these retro brands, Motor Marini included, Benelli included, 
I mean, they're just Chinese bikes with old brand names on them, right? So that's that's the part of the legacy fraud that I feel sad about. Not the fact that people are resurrecting these names, but they're not even close to the old bikes. They look, I mean, the BSA, to be honest, does look pretty cool. But other than that, it's just a uh, Chinese name or a, a British name on a Chinese bike. Um, does it count that they were, if we go back in, yeah, we, I won't, I won't talk about the, uh, talk about that on this show. Um, let me see where I am at right now before I overwrite some recordings. Good. I think we're going to make it here. Um, so moving on the last headline that you should not even care about is, uh, oh shit. Honda and Royal Enfield dominate UK's top selling bikes of 22. Well, fuck me. I guess it shows how very little I know when, uh, Royal Enfield and Honda take, uh, actually Honda and Royal Enfield take four and three of the top 10 spots respectively in uh, the UK. So that's interesting. Here I'm talking shit about both of them uh, in these headlines. And the last headline is that they're selling like hotcakes in England, in the UK actually. Uh, so listen, they they took f- uh, four and three. So they took seven of the 10 spots. Uh, Honda had three scooters and a motorcycle, none of them over 125, by the way, and Royal Enfield had the Meteor 350 playing top dog uh, to the classic 350, nudging just past the Interceptor 650 in sales. So the Meteor 350 selling apparently like hotcakes. I think the classic and the Interceptor came in like sort of last place on this on this list, but seven of the spots were Honda and Royal Enfield, and Honda was all scooters. It was like, except for the CB125, it was like the uh, the uh, uh, Vision 125. I think they had like a uh, uh, the PCX 125, and then some other 125. I forget exactly what they had, but the, and the, the CB was the only motorcycle on there, and it was a 125 as well. So Honda cleared them out with 110s and 125s, um, who else was on this list if Royal Enfield 350s were the other ones? Well, uh, Yamaha's NMAX 125 reached fourth spot right behind the uh, the top three Hondas. And then the BMW R1250 GS took fifth with the... Uh, right, uh, I'm sorry, the BMW R1250 GS Adventure took fifth with the regular GS finishing in seventh spot between the Royal Enfields and some other 125 scooter potpourri. So there you go. There you have it. Non-newsworthy headlines. All of my headlines had to <laughs> deal with Honda and Royal Enfield. What do you know? Let's, um, Excuse me, let's take a quick break and get on to the more sober me here in a minute. Tobor, anything fancy to say? Nope, I turned your mic down. Too late, sucker. All right, let's take a quick quick break, and we'll be right back with some sober creative writing. Hey, creative writers. RP Enterprises wants to remind you of their latest, greatest invention, the medicated adhesive graphic strip. This medicated bandage strip is emblazoned with bold graphics depicting infected, pus-oozing, disgusting wounds. Whether you have just a minor scratch, a hangnail, or a clean gash, make sure you customize it with the Mags Bandage from RP Enterprises. RP Enterprises is only available at fine retail stores near you. I'm so drunk, I'm drunk as a skunk I can't believe that I'm this drunk My name is Junk, I'm super drunk 
I've been drinking, so now I'm drunk. Yeah. yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Criders leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin! Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory, Criders Leathers. Hey all, it's Sober Junkie, and I'm here to tell you that I'm going to chuckle a little bit, say tee hee tee hee the Biltwell Show, because I recorded this portion earlier in the evening before drinking three doghead fish beers. So here we are, tee hee tee hee the Biltwell Show, Bringing you back to our regularly scheduled program of creative writing, the Bill Well Show. So uh, earlier this month, I don't even know what when it was. God, I can't even think about it. Earlier this month, it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was this sometime in the beginning of January? I think it was the first weekend. We went down where I went down uh, to the Bill Well Show down in Del Mar. Yes, you like me here in the garage like some sort of freakish animal. <laughs> Sorry, dude. But come on. And it was pouring rain. I mean, there's no way I was going to try and drive you down there in the rain. You don't drive me. You drive your car. And you put <laughs> me in the car. I I know how it works, Tobor. I know how driving works, okay? And yes, I don't drive you. Although that might be my next upgrade for you is to make you some sort of vehicle. But yeah, it was pouring rain. I could barely see. I tried to take some video of it, but the video, my phone made it look really clear. And I was like, oh, this just won't do. This just this looks like I'm just some idiot driving in a sprinkle. It was coming down so hard that the visibility was next to zero uh, on the on the freeway. And yeah, I could barely see. And then I used my camera and I almost, I, I, when I irresponsibly held my phone up to record the rain while I'm driving. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, after the PSA of not texting early at the show, um, 
I, was, I sat it on the dash, okay? I didn't hold it in my hand. But uh, but yeah, I did press the record button, and it, lo- it almost made it clear. At that point, I was like, I'm going to look through my camera rather than the windshield because it's actually a clearer view, you know? So long story short, it was dumping. It's one of the hardest rains that we've had since last year, which I know is kind of funny because the Bill Wills show happened so close to last year. We got We got rains two weeks in a row. And actually, it's coming down right now. I can hear it right now. It's raining, raining right now as well. But it's not a deluge like it was the last two times. Visibility was awful. Um, but I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to drive down to Biltwell. I'm going to check out the parts and labor because I didn't check it out last time or the last two times. I think this is the third time. And uh, now it's at the Delmar Fairgrounds. Got to do it. Got to drive down. My wife thought I was crazy driving all the way down to Delmar uh, for a show in that sort of rain. And by the time I got there, my shoulders hurt. And I realized that I had been gripping the steering wheel with the, with the death grip. And maybe she was right. Maybe it was a little crazy because then I had to turn around and come back home and, uh, well, or drive back up to, uh, Long Beach to Alex's bar. It's a really good bar. Alex's bar. If you're from the area, you know, I don't have to say anything else. They got the best shows around. Um, Rocket from the Crypt was playing there, and uh, my buddy wanted to meet me there, and I knew that show would go late. That show went till 2, so in the in the morning, not the afternoon. So, yeah, I hung around Biltwell for a while uh, as a reprieve to get out of the rain. It was nice. You know, the, the nice thing was it was coming down so hard, and I hydroplaned all over the place in my little piece of shit uh, refrigerator on wheels. I was hydroplaning left and right. My tires aren't like bald or anything. It was just a lot of standing water. Uh, it was lots of standing water. And uh, even on the freeway. And there was so much rooster tails I couldn't see. And when I got down there, like I said, my shoulders hurt from gripping the steering wheel and it pouring rain. And then right when I parked, it stopped. And it waited for me to get inside the show. And it waited a little bit longer. Because when I came out to leave, oh, it was coming down again. I was like wet in places I'd never been wet before. And that's saying a lot <laughs> when you're talking about me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, it was literally um, uh, quite an experience getting there. The show, also quite an experience. Uh, I liked it. I really did like it. Uh, there was a couple of things that... I think they could have added, but for the most part, great show. The thing I liked about it the most was that there was no like factory, you know, Harley Davidson wasn't there promoting their like latest, greatest road glide, road glide three, which we won't talk about probably not even on another show. We'll never talk about that. But, um, yeah, there was the great thing about it was, uh, there was people that build for the industry, people that, uh, have, um, you know, just smaller, smaller industry. Let me, let me think about, let me think about how to say this. So, uh, Rusty Butcher was there. Rusty Butcher, local guy, builds, uh, builds clothes. <laughs> He's hard at work wrenching on them clothes all the time. He does clothes. He races sportsters. He's a huge motorcyclist. You know what I'm saying? Like he is uh, hardcore Harley Davidson and loves motorcycling and loves making cool clothes. He's basically the Howard Stern of motorcycling. He's had he had a podcast briefly. He does clothes. He had a rodeo during COVID. He t- bought this whole ranch during COVID, uh, and you didn't hear much about motorcycles from anybody during COVID. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. But he uh, has reemerged, and he's back to making his uh, wallets and apparel and stuff like that. He was there. 
Um, she Wolf Motoko was there. I think they mostly do clothes as well. For women, though, they feature a lot of women on their uh, clothing. I actually bought my wife and my uh, daughter some clothes, much to my wallet's uh, chagrin. Um, but, yeah, they were there. The types of other people there, I can't remember the companies right off the top of my head, but you have people that make uh, stuff for Harleys that aren't some huge, like, you know, brand. Like, you don't have Kiriok in there. You don't have, uh, I don't know, Arlen Ness there. Nothing like that. You have some local dudes that make small batch stuff out of their little shop. And that's what I like, whether it's clothing, whether it's stator covers, timing covers, uh, things like that. And Harley, not just a stator cover. Harleys don't really have a stator. They have primary covers and timer covers and things like that. But you get it. Uh, you know, they, there's people making like, uh, all sorts of little cool, uh, tricky things for, for, you know, chops and things like that. So it was pretty cool. It was really cool. I was actually surprised to see some metric bikes there. And speaking of Brady Walker, who we always, we've mentioned 18 times this show, he had a CBX there that Wiggins would have shit his pants over. And I and I took a picture and I sent it to Wiggins and he's like, Oh, you're at that bike show. Uh, yeah, he paid a pretty penny for that. I don't care what he paid for it. The thing is beautiful. And uh, the reason Wiggins likes his, and the reason that I like Wiggins actually, is because it's got his dad all over it, and his dad got it from his grandpa. Maybe it was his grandpa's actually. So it's got his grandpa all over it. And I don't mean Wiggins' grandpa jizzed and shit all over his bike, and it's his DNA is all. But I do mean that his grandpa kept it in the barn. His grandpa kept it maintained. His grandpa put all of the wear and tear on the bike that's on the wear and, that's on the bike, including any. Uh, wear on the gas tank paint, you know, any labels that have came off, any anything that's any scratches here or there that Wiggins hasn't added, his grandpa added. So I really do like that about Wiggins' bike. But Brady's bike was like you went to the back to 1980 fucking two or whatever year this thing was, and you walked into a Honda showroom and you got this goddamn bike right then and there. I mean, the chrome was chromey. The chrome didn't even have bluing on it from being ran. Um, the rubber was blacker than like most of the new rubber on my bike, which is fairly new. My, my bikes, I have a 2017. The, the stuff on his 2000, you know, 17, no, on his uh, 1917, what the fuck years is it? Well, not, probably 1982 or, or 1980 or something like that. That The rubber on that was just like, you know, like I'm saying, just like you peeled it off the rubber tree just yesterday. I don't know where rubber comes from. You peeled it off the rubber mine. Some some kid just mined it out of the rubber mine in Argentina and put it right on there. It was beautiful. And it was a handful of metrics. There was a, mostly Hondas, a couple Yamaha RDs that were there. And I think one of the Yamaha RDs, the white uh, Daytona 400, I think is what it was, actually took best uh, uh, metric bike. And if you're listening to Siddons, I think Siddons has like two RD400s. One's a Daytona that he just recently bought. Uh, yeah, buddy, yours could look exactly the same. I think it was white, just like yours too. So Siddons, if you're listening, which I know you're probably not, I don't think you have time to listen to shows, especially this one. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And um really, really smoking. And it just reminds me of what my friends probably have sitting around their garage right now. So long story short, it's a great show. The thing I loved about it was that, like I said, you didn't see any, uh, any Suzuki 
builds by Suzuki or like Suzuki. Uh, I do like the Ricky Carmichael M M109R that they did at the last IMS back in 2019 or whatever it was. Um, the last indoors IMS, I should say, that was in uh, 2018. Uh, and I do like when companies come together, like big companies, like when the Yamaha Bolt was brand new and Yamaha did like all the Faster Sons Bolt builds, you know, and yard built stuff. And I do like when Harley does their like King of the Bagger builder thing. But it was just refreshing to see a bunch of bikes that were custom made by people that just love motorcycles. And the yes, the majority was Harley Davidson. Even the off-road bike that won, I think was one that had run either in the Biltwell 100 or the Mexican 1000 or something like that. One of these uh, races that uh, sports, a lot of sportsters race in. Uh, I think it was one of those. And uh, mostly Harleys, you know what I'm saying? But the cool thing is that there wasn't your run-of-the-mill you know, Black Road King. It wasn't one of those type of shows either. It was mostly like a lot of dudes had Dinas. Um, and there was like a lot of cool old sports, <coughs> a lot of cool old sportsters that were either chopped or built. And then the one, the coolest chopper there, I don't even know what it was, but it wasn't a Harley. It was a, I think it was an inline four. I took a lot of pictures of it. I think it was a, I think it was a Honda actually, or maybe a Yamaha XS or something like that. But it looked like, you know, somebody had shroomed out and then chopped this bike. It was so sick. The, uh, I, I put it on our Facebook page, I think, but the, uh, the battery hold down basically was like a, uh, a little piece of wood that had been bedazzled, but instead of bedazzled, it looked like it had gummy bears all over it. It was a rainbow colored bike. The big, the, here's one thing I did see was the big, the back wheel was like solid, uh, so I'm not sure if it was machined or what it was, but it was a solid back wheel. A lot of solid wheels on all these bikes was one thing I noticed. Another thing I noticed is that people were putting, um, I know Harley just came out with the ST lineup for their soft tails and it stands for sport touring. I think they came out with like one bagger ST as well, like a road King ST or something stupid like that. But I want to say that the, the builders are doing it first. They're putting these fairing mounted shit on their, Dinas and even Sportsters. I think Rusty Butcher had put uh, put a, a, a fairing mounted um, or a uh, a frame mounted fairing on his, one of his Sportsters, and it looked like a cop bike sort of. Um, and I think he called it the uh, XLFP or something, some shit like that. I don't know what the fuck he called it, but uh, a lot of guys were doing this beforehand, and uh, they had their um, they basically had their bikes uh to what harley davidson has now come out with as the st package on all these things where they have like a fairing uh a frame mounted fairing on them so a lot of cool stuff there that featured that already before harley had done it a lot of really nifty little uh i, I put the, the pictures i put on instagram if you're not sure what they are or i may i put them on facebook i don't know if it shared it to instagram but there's a lot of people doing this thing with harley's where you uh First guy I saw it was Cliff Cavins from uh, California on uh, Instagram, and he actually won like People's Champ I think last year from Biltwell for his chopper. He did this thing on his Harley's where like on the primary side and on the uh, I guess it's the cam cover side, he machined in and welded on some like foot rests onto there so that you don't have to have foot rests down on the sides, especially out when you have an open primary and you have like your belt or your chain running down there and you want to get your 
foot tore off. So he made this cool thing where you were in your cruise and you put your feet up on the covers and the footrest is actually mounted into the covers. Well, I saw somebody take that a step further with this pretty cool, I think it was a Dyna or soft tail. I don't know what the fuck it was, but uh, it was not a bagger. <laughs> I know that for sure. Uh, but it had bags and it had a big frame mounted fairing on it. A la the uh, the custom man's ST package, and it had one of those feet rests that was machined into like the timing the cam cover I think because it was on the right side, and right next to it they had a little brake pedal, and the brake pedal was just a push button, and I thought that's genius. You have your foot right up there on the cover, and you don't want to reach all the way down for a brake pedal that's somewhere out there in the stock or forward position where it used to be. You want to just keep your foot there and press a brake. So they had made this. They basically took a um, a brake master cylinder, and instead of having some crazy linkage going from a pedal to it, they just put like a little topper on it, and you just you literally push down on like the little uh, rod that you would push down via the pedal. And I thought that's genius. Haka, why didn't anybody think of this before? So a lot of cool stuff there, um, and I think that one also had like a, a full back wheel. And by full, I mean, it was like filled in. It was a solid back wheel, uh, machined, you know, solid. I don't know if it was hollow inside. I don't know if it was, um, one piece, two piece. I couldn't tell you, but it was a solid wheel that you couldn't see through. There was no spokes, no laced spokes, no machine spokes, nothing like that. It was a solid wheel. And a lot of these, um, Dinas or whatever they were. I think they were soft tails. A lot of them had steering dampers on them. Like a lot of the Harleys had steering dampers, and I thought that's something new. I'd never seen that before, but a lot of them had it. Whether they had apes or T-bars or whatever, they had a big old fat uh, steering damper on them. So I thought that was kind of new for me to see that. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, known in the, in the Harley world, especially with the crazy head shake that you can get on those things if you start messing with rake and trail and and handlebar position and all this and that and leverage, it probably sucks. So I think steering dampers is actually pretty smart. Uh, especially after seeing all the videos that I've seen of dudes on Harley's getting tank slappers from improper loading and probably improper tire pressure. And they just get in these tank slappers and eat it. Uh, I think a steering damper is probably pretty apropos. So really the thing I loved about the built well show is that it brought together some creative, imaginative, uh, probably mostly local guys, um, and it was at a show for them. It wasn't a big IMS show where you have nationwide or like regional builders. It was a really cool laid back show, and I wanted to say thank God for Harley Davidson. And why? Because I got to say the RD, the CB, uh, the two RDs that were there, they were mostly. Uh, stock restored to restored, you know, and so that's why they won. They were such good examples of restorations. There was a another, like I said, one of the choppers. I think was a Honda or a Yamaha. I cannot remember, but um, other than that, the race there was a there was a speed racer, like a speed racer. There's a like a salt flat racer there, like a land speed racer, and I forget what that was. Um, and then there was somebody that had done like the. Uh, I don't know, the uh, Cannonball or something like that on like this really old bike and raced it across the country. And those were the only, those were the only ones that were like, uh, not Harley Davidson slash, but modified. Right. And they were, the, the racers were modified for racing. I think that, I think the Cannonball was an Indian. Uh, but yeah, so 
they were modified for racing, but and they were metric. The the other thing is that like all the show bikes, even the cool little choppers, and even the cool Sportster. The my favorite bike there was this blue Sportster. It wasn't modified into a chopper, but it was lifted. It had knobby tires, and it was a little bit chopped, but I don't think it was. It was just raised, like the suspension was raised, and uh, yeah, it did have like a little bit of a sissy bar and a little bit of crazy pipes on it, but it wasn't like a chopper chopper, like a like a fourteen over chopper or whatever. Um, it was just a proper cool little sportster that had been customized a little bit and it was really clean. And I really liked those bikes because whether it was old like that. It was an old, it was an old ass one. I don't even know what it was like a panhead or something, or the brand new the brand new ones that I saw with like the steering dampers and all the shit. The one that said <laughs> it had a sweet little message to all the bagger owners on the front fairing, but they were all Harleys, and they were all done up with some custom shit. And I was thinking, not since the CB seven fifty have people gone crazy and customized their bikes. The only custom stuff you ever, no one ever buys like a CBR and goes like, bro, I'm gonna put like a fat sissy bar on this, or I'm gonna put some like rear sets on it. A CBR comes up already set up for what you want to do. Sure, you modify it somewhat, but you're not buying uh, a new cam cover because it has like a footrest mounted into it. You're not or built into it. You're not buying like. Uh, a new steering damper unless you're getting like into competitive racing and the one that you have just doesn't fit the bill anymore, right? So I think the fact that I really liked this show was partially because the custom without these guys, the only people that would make, quote, custom parts would be the aftermarket. And all the aftermarket parts are pretty much add-ons. You go to Twisted Throttle or whatever it is, and it's a lot of add-on stuff. It's a lot of farkles for your ADV bikes. Touratech, same thing. It's a lot of farkles. You you go to a lot of these um, aftermarket companies, and sure, they might sell replacement stuff. They might sell the doohickey for KLRs. They might sell this and that, but it's add-on stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not customized. It, it, it's, it, it, is, it could be, quote, custom, but it's not custom like when you think of a custom bike. So if it weren't for stuff like the Biltwell show showcasing these old bikes and these new bikes with some really crazy shit that people are thinking of some really cool you know I've never been into baggers I've never been into saddlebags I've never been into cruisers I don't like that style of bike but I do have to admit when they're the ones that are making these six swing arm mounted saddlebags that have like a fucking bar in it or whatever was in that one that I posted on our Facebook page uh Who's going to buy that for an R1250GS? Even an R1200GS, an R1100GS? Nobody. The the craziest, quote, off-road bike I've seen in a long time is the one that Dave from Cerberus Moto built that was uh, for WD-40, the Athena. I think that was a started life as a uh, Yamaha XS650. And he took it and he made it like an ADV bike a la sort of like um, Icon does with their bikes, where they'll take a bike and just build it crazy, you know, make something nuts out of it. Uh, and nobody's going to be like, oh, look at that show bike. It's like, hey, this is a con- this is like zombie warfare bike. You know what I'm saying? So he took one and he made it like that. And that's the last crazy, quote, customized bike I've seen. Everything on that bike was custom. He did it and it looked fabulous. It was like one of the first bikes to use ammo cans as panniers. And built on the outside of the ammo cans, he had somebody made some um, cutting boards for him, and they dropped down and formed little tables that you could fold down and 
cut your food and eat and cook on right there. Right. So like that bike was sick and that was like, wasn't Farkles. That was a custom made dirt bike out of a bike that wasn't really a dirt bike. It was like ADV bike made, special made. So that's what I saw with the Biltwell show is whether or not it was this cool, cute little sporty, the the blue one, whether it was one of the wacky paint job on it, the <laughs> Just was like had dumb stickers all over it. I loved that one too, just because um, it was just you know it was done. It was custom. You know what I'm saying? It was made. the The pieces on it weren't made for traveling overland. The pieces on it weren't made for additional things. They were actually taken and totally modified. So thank you know, thankfully there are shows still like the Bill Well Show and things like that that showcase what a custom bike is. And we, when I used to go to IMS, there was some custom bikes that came through there. I remember the, the very first off-road uh, Harley-Davidson that I ever saw, and I'm not talking about the Beale Ulysses. It was the Carducci. Uh, he took a Sportster. He pretty much barely modified the frame, and he made a sick-looking... ADV bike out of it. The problem is he knew he was working with Harley Davidson's and even way back then in like the early two thousands, uh, they were priced pretty high for what I think a Harley Davidson off-road sportster should be. But those tanks were bespoke. Like he, he made those tanks. He made like, he basically took the Harley frame and the motor and reworked everything. And so, I mean, I guess it did cost a little bit to do that. So I, I guess, Right on. The cost was probably appropriate. But that was the very first Harley Sportster I ever saw made into an off-road vehicle. Now you got all these guys, especially Built Well, who was one of the first guys to make a the Frijole a couple of years ago and race it in the Mexican 1000. And I think they've since raced it in uh, the Mint 400. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that is accepting like this, quote, hooligan class now. Thanks, hooligans, again, for starting way back in like 2015 and making things cool to be called hooligan and popular, right? But this whole Biltwell show was a, like a hooligan show. So that's what I really like about it is uh, stuff like that. The, this is where, this is the breeding ground from where all that stuff comes from. It shows like this, people like this. And although I did see the Carducci one at IMS, it didn't, it wasn't the Frijole. It wasn't Rusty Butcher stuff. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a local dude doing crazy stuff on a shoestring budget or maybe not maybe a elevated budget but bootstrapped you know what i'm saying uh it was some rich person taking their money <laughs> and making very little of it by modifying a motorcycle right so you would see some crazy custom bikes for sure at the jmp cycle show but it would be like the bike built all out of musical instruments or the bike that looked like a fucking goat and a kegs of mead or something. It's a weird shit. You know, the, the one year that I saw the Busa that was Michael Jackson themed, a lot of clown themed cruisers back then. Like it wasn't the shit that I really like seeing on a technical. When I, when I went to Biltwell, I saw some people that were, had bikes that they had modified to work for off-road races. I saw people that had restored bikes back to like showroom quality. And I had seen some people that had modified bikes in a way that you just wouldn't think of like the brake system, the steering dampers, all that weird stuff. I just really, I really think the Built Well show is uh, is where it's at. And if you're going to go to a show, support your local uh, dirtbag. Go to a show like that, right? Because that's, that's where it's at. Uh, anyways, we're going to uh, move on. 
move on to the end of the show. That's right, folks. You've just wasted a perfectly good hour with the guys here at Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Listen, I'm sorry this show took a little bit to come out, but I just spent six fucking hours recording with the guys from Nokomoto a couple weeks ago. I don't remember when it happened. Last week, I think it was. So I didn't have a voice for three days. My boobs took three months or three hours to come back down from swelling so huge. My lips were tubby flubby like a goldfish mixed with a duck. And uh, I could, yeah, I couldn't see straight either. Fabulous show. I don't know when the fuck it's going to come out. I've been waiting all week for it to come out before I release the show to thank them. But I'll just do it now because I don't know when it's going to come out. So listen, I can tell my music is going to add out pretty soon. So please leave us a message. Hit us up, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com or uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We're trying to get better at working on both of those. See you around, booger butt. Get on your motorcycle and ride. Booger butt.